The 2016 presidential campaign season is heating up. Campaigns are employing slogans, art, and music to bolster their candidates' efforts, and businesses are looking for opportunities to capitalize on the season. Campaigns, candidates, and businesses need to be aware of the potential legal ramifications that stem from improper use of others' intellectual property. Finnegan Partners' Margaret Eskine and Brett Hebner join us now to discuss some IP issues that can arise on the campaign trail. Margaret, what are some of the legal issues that can arise due to improper IP practices during a campaign? From my perspective, the primary issues are copyright issues, using third-party materials without proper licenses or attribution. We also come up with endorsement and right of publicity issues. So if you do use some third-party materials, are you using them in a way that might imply that the person who created it is endorsing your campaign or you as a candidate or somehow otherwise violating that creator's right of publicity in a way that the author or the creator is uncomfortable with? From a trademark perspective, the things I see as legal issues in campaigns tend to deal with the themes or taglines that are frequently used by candidates or organizations endorsing a particular topic or issue, as well as sometimes the logos or the appearances of the signage and video advertising and radio advertising that can come up. One would need to make certain that those are adequately protected if they are going to be the important themes and logos and look of the campaign. But in addition, they would need to make certain that they're not too similar to other trademarks or taglines that are already in existence, even outside the political campaign arena. So they would need to be very cognizant of not infringing a pre-existing trademark in setting up their campaign themes, taglines, and overall look. Brett, are there any IP trends that you see becoming an issue during this campaign season? One of the big trends I see is the use of social media. Social media has become very, very useful for candidates and organizations that are involved in campaigns. And it would be very important that the social media clearly reflect what trademarks, logos, and themes are owned by the campaign, that they are used by permission of the campaign, and that to the extent that they allow supporters of their campaigns to post materials on their social media sites, that they have the correct terms of service, which would allow them to take down any postings that would infringe someone else's trademark or disparage some other business or person so that the people operating the campaign social media websites would not violate the intellectual property of any other organization. As Brett mentioned, I agree that social media and the various new platforms that come out and are, might come out during the next campaign season or this campaign season are going to be a big focus of the campaigns and potentially of intellectual property issues. And in addition to the trademark issues that Brett talked about, again, there's the copyright issues. These are usually fast-moving platforms, and you want to be careful about just throwing things up onto your social media platforms on your Twitter feeds, Instagrams, without thinking through whether those materials really belong to the campaign or someone else. And then, as we mentioned earlier, the publicity and endorsement issues. Are you using photographs of, for example, campaign stops, campaign events, where people are featured in those materials, and do you have the appropriate permissions, releases, that you need for using people's images and likenesses in connection with your campaign materials. When it comes to music and images, Margaret, what legal remedies do musicians and artists have if their intellectual property is used without their permission? This happens every campaign season. 
the a candidate will use music or art or some other materials from a musician or other artist, and that artist may not necessarily agree with the candidate on a particular issue or does not support that candidate or even supports another candidate. And so there are two really specific issues, I think, that come up here or two ways of looking at the issue. The first is from an IP perspective. Do you, as a campaign, have the appropriate licenses? Do you have what you need to be using those materials, the music, the images that you need to use those materials in the public? And then second, you really want to look at the PR issues because even if the musician doesn't necessarily have the ability to stop you from playing a song at an event because you do have an appropriate license, is that musician going to say, well, this is some sort of false endorsement and make a legal claim that way, or will they be able to create a lot of media coverage of the fact that they don't support you as a candidate or your position? And I think that in a good example, a very recent example is Stephen Tyler of Aerosmith complaining about the Trump campaign using materials from his catalog with respect to the Trump campaign, and he has been saying that even if the licenses for the music are in place, that he personally objects because he doesn't necessarily agree with some of the comments that the Trump campaign has made. And so there are PR issues in addition to the legal issues. Campaign season becomes a main stage for political parodies. Are these forms of expression protected even if they do infringe upon someone's IP? In some respects, yes. The First Amendment does protect parodies and other forms of expressive speech, even if they do reference intellectual property and particularly trademarks or names of others. It does not mean that every single parody is protected and would be able to avoid an infringement claim, but many, in fact, are. Typically, the requirement would be in order for a parody to rise to the level of a trademark infringement, the risk of a likelihood of consumer confusion would have to be quite high. It would have to be almost inevitable. And when it reaches that level, it's really no longer a parody. The hallmark of a parody is that the audience will know that it's not actually from the group that owns the trademark or the person that owns the right of publicity. They will understand that the performer giving the parody is not actually endorsed by or associated with the subject matter of the parody. Except for the rare circumstances in which the parody perhaps is not a very good one and people would really be confused as to the source of the parody, most political parodies are going to be protected by the First Amendment, even if they do reference trademarks and logos and rights of publicity of others. And the same is true in the context of a copyrighted issue, that if it's really a parody, then it will likely be protected both under the First Amendment analysis that Brett just gave, but also in the copyright law there is a specific statutory protection for what's referred to as fair use. And one of the elements of fair use is whether something is a parody or whether it is merely being used to replace the original or to avoid licensing fees. And I think that's not a bad way to look at it. If you're in a political campaign and you're considering using some third-party copyrighted material, ask yourself, are we doing this as a parody or is the public going to understand that we're creating some sort of a joke or a comment on either the original work or the campaign season as a whole or a particular candidate, or are we merely just trying to avoid paying the license fees and hoping for the best here? If it's the latter, then you might have a problem. Otherwise, fair use for copyright issues will protect parodies. Finally, what proactive steps can campaigns, candidates, and businesses take to protect their IP interests now through Election Day and then after? Well, from a trademark perspective, one of the most important things is to make certain that whatever themes, taglines, 
and logos that are developed to support the candidate or issue do not infringe on prior and existing trademarks, logos, and taglines. The best way to do that is to conduct a clearance search. That would look at not only the records of the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, but it would look at corporate names, domain names, and various databases of unregistered trademarks. And this is important for any campaign to do, even for themes or messaging that they don't think of as a tagline or a trademark. In fact, even if they don't really function as a trademark, but are simply an important message, you would want to make certain that you are free to deliver that message without getting an accusation of some sort of a trademark infringement. Then, once you've cleared all of the materials that you would want to use in your campaign, then the campaign would want to decide whether they want to register these marks with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Since campaigning is generally short-term, it may not be worth actually getting these registered with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Although, if it's for some sort of a campaign that's going to be ongoing, like, for example, an issue or a subject matter campaign rather than a candidate campaign, maybe it makes sense to do so. And finally, from a trademark perspective, make certain that for any materials that you believe would be your trademark or your logo or your tagline, mark them with the TM or some sort of disclaimer showing that you're claiming them as a trademark. The answer is similar for copyrighted materials. You want to make sure that you are the owner of any materials that are created for your campaign. So if you're using contractors, non-employees, that you're getting the appropriate rights for those materials if you're using freelancers, that you have appropriate agreements in place. At the end of the day, the campaign owns the materials, whether it's written content, photographs, website design, etc. That should all be owned by the campaign, and there should be contracts in place to deal with that issue. And as Brett noted with the trademarks, you want to make sure that you have copyright notices on all of the campaign materials and that you are taking appropriate action to ensure that people understand that you are claiming rights in those campaign materials. Lastly, you want to have appropriate documents in place for your campaign staff and your campaign volunteers, maybe releases, things to do with photographs and other materials, so that if you're using the campaign staff likenesses or if you're taking photographs, you have appropriate signage that photographs are being taken and that they might be used in campaign materials. Those are all good ways to protect the campaign and its materials. Our guests have been Margaret Eskine and Brett Hevner, partners at Finnegan, one of the largest IP law firms in the world. For more commentary on intellectual property news and issues, to listen to other podcasts, and to receive additional information on the firm, please visit www.finnegan.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Finnegan.